Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did, and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself? He left them went out to the city out of the city of Bethany and spent the night there we celebrate the written word of scripture we celebrate the living word Christ among us please join me in prayer merciful god as we enter holy week turn our hearts again to Jerusalem and to the life death and resurrection of Jesus Christ Stir up within us the gift of faith that we may not only praise him with our lips, but may follow him in the way of risky love. Amen. You may have noticed on your bulletin covers that today is Palm Passion Sunday. I grew up with Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday Hosanna's were followed a week later by Easter morning alleluias with nothing in between. If my childhood Presbyterian churches even had Holy Week services, I didn't know about it. Sometime after I quit going to church, Presbyterians switched to Palm Passion Sunday. The Passion comes from the Passion of Christ, the phrase used to describe Jesus' arrest, trial, conviction, and execution. One theory I've heard is that churches started telling the Passion story on Palm Sunday because so few people show up to hear it on Good Friday. But all by itself, Palm Sunday is a hinge. It isn't all hosannas. Palm Sunday turns us toward Holy Week. To begin with, Jesus' triumphal entry wasn't a first-century version of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It was meant to be a statement. It was powerful political street theater. Matthew was clear. Jesus rode into town as a returning king. That's what the colt and the donkey mean. They hearken back to Old Testament passages describing triumphal entries of kings. Moreover, the crowds greeted Jesus as such. They greet him as the Messiah. Hosanna means, save now. These crowds expect Jesus to overthrow the Romans, and the Romans take note. Don't forget, this was just before the Passover celebration. Passover was a risky problem for the Romans. They couldn't ban it because there'd be an uprising for sure. But the Passover festival is all about deliverance from slavery and freedom from oppression. It's hard to imagine that when the people celebrated Passover, they weren't also hoping to be delivered from the Romans someday. 
Passover wasn't good for empire. These events help explain why Jesus was arrested and crucified. Jesus didn't merely offend the religious authorities of the day. He proclaimed another kingdom. The kingdom not of Caesar, but of God. And called people to give their allegiance to God's kingdom first. He was, in other words, a real threat. The people are half right. He did come as God's Messiah. But they misunderstood what that meant. It didn't mean regime change by violence, but rather the love of God poured out upon the world in a way that dissolved all the things we use to differentiate ourselves from others, and the formation of a single humanity that knows itself and all those around them as God's beloved people. But that means the religious and political authorities are also half-right. Jesus was a threat to the way they led and ruled and lived. For that matter, he still is. He threatens our obsession with defining ourselves over and against others. He threatens the way in which we seek to establish our future by hoarding wealth and power. He threatens our habit of drawing lines and making rules about who is acceptable and who is not. He threatens all these things and more, but the authorities are so wrong in thinking that they can eliminate this threat by violence. These words from Dr. King come to mind. The ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a descending spiral, begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. Through violence, you may murder the liar, But you cannot murder the lie nor establish the truth. Through violence, you may murder the hater, but you do not murder hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. So it goes. Returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Brian McLaren tells an alternative Palm Sunday story in which Jesus and his disciples meet secretly outside Jerusalem for days, planning where their weapons will be stored, horses will be waiting, and various militia will assemble and wait until they receive the word to strike. They organized the crowds to hit the streets at just the right moment to create intimidation, distraction, and fear in the Romans and their collaborators. It's called Operation Sacred Vengeance. And it's set in motion when Jesus mounts a huge white war horse on Palm Sunday with his sword hidden in a palm branch. His disciples, too, camouflage their daggers and swords in palm branches, and raising their fists, they head to the city, knowing that their freedom fighter allies are already there to create mayhem. They chant, victory, crush the Romans, kill the collaborators. The nervous Pharisees suggest battle might be premature, but Jesus shouts, those who live by restraint will die by restraint. 
Now is the time. Now is the day of annihilation for our enemies, and so the battle for Jerusalem begins. And then McLaren ends the story this way. No, that is not what happened. And the difference is at the heart of the story of Holy Week. In fact, these differences are at the heart of the Gospels and even the heart of our God, who is love. That is not what happened. Not a mighty war horse, but a donkey. He comes not in the name of Caesar, but in the name of God. He's surrounded not by a retinue of impressive chariots, weapons, and uniformed soldiers, but by a ragtag crowd carrying branches. It's not a show of force designed to inspire fear and compliance, but a joyful, peaceful, and humble celebration. It's a peace march. What would happen if every year Christians made Palm Sunday the day for joyful public celebration of creative, nonviolent action and public lamentation for local, national, and global conflicts? If we did, today we'd pray for Syria, where a dictator perpetrates atrocities, for Egypt, where our Coptic Christian brothers and sisters were attacked during Palm Sunday worship. For Congo, where intertribal and interreligious violence has reared its ugly head. For Iraq, Afghanistan, Ukraine, and North Korea, we would pray that Israelis and Palestinians could live in peace with justice as neighbors. We'd pray for the victims of torture and victims of domestic violence. We would lament and pray about violence in our own cities and about the persistent presence of racism that expresses itself in so many subtle and not-so-subtle ways, including voter suppression, mass incarceration, and police shootings. We would lament the unchecked and often unacknowledged power of the military-industrial complex. We would dream of better ways to use human talent and material resources than in the production of the tools of war. We would dream of better ways to show moral authority and integrity in humanitarian crises than sending Tomahawk missiles. That's enough of a somber message to be getting on with, right there on the, in Palm Sunday, in the Palm Sunday story, even without touching the passion. But there is a good reason, a good reason to worship during Holy Week. As Jesus' followers, we need to remember the consequences of challenging the powers that be. And we need to remember the consequences to all of us, to the whole world, of continuing to live by the politics of Rome. Whether we're Republicans or Democrats, American or Russian or Syrian, whether we're corporations or governments, high school principals or high school students, parents or siblings, husbands or wives, whenever we seek to influence others through coercion and violence, we are following the politics of Rome. May we who love and follow Jesus join him today and this holy week, joyfully, faithfully, and courageously, 
representing the loving heart of God. On Monday, Thursday, we see Jesus not armed with a spear, but with a basin and towel. On Good Friday, we see not revenge, but suffering love. And the end is Easter. Always Easter. Always the end is the revolutionary power of death-defying love. May it be so for you and for me. Amen.